It took two penalty shootouts to decide which two teams could reach the semi-finals in the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Brazil scored first against Croatia but soon blew their lead before losing on penalties. Argentina saw their lead wiped by the Netherlands in a more dramatic way but were resilient enough to win in the end. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Glad to be back. Yeah. It was really surprising for me to watch two sh- penalty shootouts in you know mm. back-to-back quarterfinals games. Yeah, two hard-end mm-hmm. penalty shootouts as well. Um, in that first game with Croatia and Brazil, um, I rem- I was watching it and it reached about say thirty minutes in, and all I could think was Brazil were dreadful. Mm. Brazil were truly dreadful. Um, and that didn't really go away. In the second half, I was more impressed with Croatia for making Brazil dreadful. Their ball control, their ability to completely shift the tempo of a game, to impose or completely nullify an opponent's style of play is truly, truly underrated because the thing with this Brazil side, and we talked about it, is after that South Korea win mm-hmm. and not even after the win after the half hour where they scored all the goals they're celebrating they're dancing they're acting like they've just won the whole tournament but they let they let korea get back into it and get that late goal and then against cameroon they did something similar where it was 90 minutes of defense left a space and uh they scored one back so i was watching this whole thing assuming that this was going to go in a very similar fashion. The only difference was that because there was no ascendancy in Brazil at all, mm-hmm. they just looked miserable. They just looked sluggish, and they were really trying so hard to move the ball. So it almost went in the inverse when Neymar got his goal in the 105th minute, I think it was. Yeah. And the thing that was the thing that was interesting with it is even when I was watching it, I was thinking, like, this is a bad sign because... Throughout the game, anytime they got some movement, like at the start of the second half, there was like a three or four minute stretch where they were attacking the Croatia goal pretty well. But every time there was a chance where, say, they could move horizontally, Lucas Paqueta's moving past, there's a gap on the far left of Vinicius, but it has to pass through Neymar first. He's always forcing the ball, always trying to get a goal. So when he just runs through in the 105th minute... It felt end, but it felt like they hadn't learned their lesson. And then fast forward only a few minutes later, and it was the same as Korea, same as Cameroon, only played in complete miniature, where in the space of five or ten minutes, instead of chasing the game and being, okay, we have one, we need to put the game away, let's get ourselves guaranteed into the semis, they acted as if having one goal from Neymar counts as if it was three on the scoreboard Mm -hmm. and just let Croatia go back to what they have been doing for so long. Only now Croatia played with impetus and just got the ball right the way down the pitch, equalized, dragged it to penalties and yeah, Rodrigo missed and that was it. Mm -hmm. 
I was watching the game like you, how you felt in the first three minutes, first thirty minutes. I felt it was like Brazil were too confident in themselves. They were like, "We're gonna、mm. win this. We're gonna walk over Croatia. All we need to do is just move the ball the way we like, and then we could score." It, apparently, they couldn't. Actually, there was this moment when the second half began. They had really good. Ten to fifteen minutes that they were sieging the whole Croatia box, like they were attacking from all angles, and they came so close scoring. After、uh-huh. that, again the team got relaxed. So, and then Neymar got that goal in the first half of the extra time, which was good. It was very modern but typical, like you know, a what 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 pass those very simple、yeah. but efficient. Pairs and combinations. It was so good. And after that, they were like, "Okay, we scored." And they had less than twenty minutes. What do we have to worry about? Apparently, they had a lot to worry about. And before Croatia had that counter strike, you know,、uh, crossing from the left and then scoring the middle, it was Luka Modric, a thirty-seven-year-old, who actually got the ball clear for his teammates to launch that attack. This was so, like you said,、uh, Brazil were Brazilian players. They. They, they didn't show much hunger for the win and didn't really show a very good attitude. Didn't respect their opponents. Yeah, the Brazil side. You know, it's the thing which I was thinking about after the after the game because you know the commentators are talking. They're kind of giving you the history, and it's a thing which I'm starting to like even question myself with Brazil on the national stage, I mean, on the international stage, because they have this grand history. But that grand history hasn't that stopped twenty years ago.、Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the thing which they said on the TV, which is like one of those ridiculous statements until you stop and realize, yes, it's true. Is there are now people who are going to be, let's say, twenty three, twenty five, who have no memory of Brazil winning anything on the global level,、yeah. yet they still get spoken about as this grand old team. And the thing is, is that. You see the players they have on the bench on the on the call sheet. This is a great attacking team, but they don't have the overall ball quality, ball control that the classic teams had.、Mm-hmm. The overall just dynamic dynamic quality that can carry them all the way to, through to the final. But what they do have, which you know, I've seen highlights of the. Of the Pele era teams, I've never seen a full game, so perhaps I'm not speaking correctly here. But I think that they do have, which I don't remember from Ronaldo Nazario, from Romario, from all those players, is they have this, like, they played with an ego that came from simply being the best,、mm-hmm. from having this ball control, this ability to be so fast, so precise that they could just move the ball whenever they wanted it. And、uh, when they went into the Jogo Benito mode of having fun and dancing or whatever, it was because they had earned the right to do it. They were having fun, they were stylish, and they were winning. With this side, they're bratty and they're childish. And when it doesn't go their way, well, they can't move the ball. They get completely swamped by, like you say, Luka Modric, thirty-seven years of age. He just takes the ball whenever he wants, sends it wherever he wants. But that then makes Neymar a bit bratty,、mm-hmm. Vinicius a bit bratty. They don't play that well. They don't move the ball. Then when they get it, suddenly all eyes on me. Look at me celebrate. Look at me dance. It's the complete inversion of the samba football that everyone's so happy, yeah, happy to remember. Everyone's so proud of in Brazil, and 
you know, you look at them, all the players crying at the end. To me, all that did was remind me that the lessons of Brazil 2014 have not been learned. Mm -hmm. This is still a team that if you get at it, it will crumble. It's still a team that plays not to represent a nation, but plays thinking that they've already won because they have a nation to represent. It's a really, really poor sign for them. And on the other side of things, Croatia, 4 million people. Again, I, I think this on the TV is Brazil has more registered footballers than Croatia has citizens, men, women, children, elderly, whatever. And then you look at them play, and yeah, Modric, but also I was thinking to myself, you still have Dejan Lovren out there, you still have Ivan Perisic out there. It's such an old team. And yet, they don't give up. They know how to control a game. They know how to move a ball in all dimensions. I think they kept doing. You could see it when they got towards the towards the uh, Brazil box. It would be, say, Modric going diagonal from right to left to even Perisic. Kovacic or Brozovic going the other way to Pasalic. These simple, bu- these simple moves that stretch the game. And the back line of Brazil just couldn't do absolutely nothing. I know he missed the missed the his I know he missed his penalty, which meant that Croatia won. But Marquinhos, who I've always thought has been a very underrated player for PSG, mm-hmm. on his national team is just completely anonymous. It's like this Brazil, when you have, when you look back at all the games they had, they only scored three or four times in the group stage, couldn't get it going, shocked everyone with how easily they ran through South Korea, who were, who were admittedly at that time the weakest team remaining. But for them to go out like this, you know, obviously it's not as stunningly bad as 7-1, mm-hmm. but it is it shows that nothing has been led since that day. That's true. And I think the following performances of Argentina actually made Brazil look worse because Argentina scored more goals. They had a bigger lead. Of course, the Netherlands wiped the, uh, the benefit, the, the deficit. But then Argentina didn't panic. They didn't crumble. They actually dragged them, the opponents to the penalty shootouts and then won. Also, the salvation by Lautaro Martinez. That also said, this Argentina are a much more, much more mature team than Brazil. Yeah, you can see that in how they set up as well, because it looked to me as if, like with with the Netherlands, how they've been very reactive to the teams. This looked like it was set up with the intention of forcing the Netherlands into a reacting movement. Mm-hmm. And then keeping them in because what they will find doing, most notably against the USA, but otherwise, is they're fine with sitting back, kind of absorbing, learning what you're going to do, then hitting on the counter. Whereas instead, uh, Lionel Scaloni set up with this like very wide formation, going back to two at the top with Messi and Julian Alvarez. But being so wide in the midfield with the idea of basically keeping all of the Netherlands boxed in. Because you think about Daily Blinds, Denzel Dumfries, they've been very active in the midfield, starting in the midfield, moving up to be like wingers. And throughout the entire game, they were so neutralized, they were so boxed in. And. They spent so much of the game just trying to get ball possession, trying to get movement up the pitch. That first goal from uh, Molina was absolutely remarkable. Mm-hmm. The 
I've looked at that replay at least five or ten times, and how Messi picks up the spot, I have no idea. But he just sees this gap through about five or six Netherlands players, and all Moline has to do then is turn around and make some space himself. And fair play to the lad, he does it correctly. But that kind of that to me showed that they had figured out the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, it didn't get much better. Um, and then right the way at the end, they completely flipped themselves with like 10 minutes to go and just stuck on Wout Weghorst, who is a huge center forward. Yeah, Just played him in. And I think it was the Netherlands' first shot on goal. And it becomes a goal, and they, they're, they're back in it. And suddenly now they've gone from being three at the back to four at the back. Just overload the midfield, get the ball down the wings, very classic, cross it in, and suddenly they are dangerous. And it's a horrible feeling because it shows that Van Hal was right. Van Hal's tactics are good, they do work, mm-hmm. but they left it so long that came down to a very clever free kick with the last kick of extra time of added time to take it to extra time to keep them alive. Um, the difference, like you say, is in that added time we had the half an hour, Argentina then kind of slowed the pace. They knew they were on the back foot. They were willing to drag it to, to the uh, penalties. And the thing which I wonder watching them is this felt a bit like the inverse of Croatia-Japan in the sense of, rather than the players being poorly drilled, I felt like uh, Noppert mm-hmm. simply wasn't um, experienced enough to deal with the Argentina goal kicks, penalty yeah. kicks, because he felt like he was just lost all the way. Emi Martinez, even when he was wrong, he was extending himself well, creating massive space, forcing the Netherlands players to put a lot of pace and a lot of swerve on it to get it into the goal so it would so it would avoid him. Whereas with Noppert, he felt like he was just a second behind every single time. And that ultimately ultimately caused them to go home. That's true. Do you think Messi now, uh, he's actually my age, so he's not that fast anymore, he's not that agile anymore, he's never been a very strong player, but he actually grew more stronger and resilient mentally, and that growth, that development, actually affected the whole team, because to me, uh, when I first began to watch football, Argentina were always like this kind of artist, that had such a close connection with tragedy, like their football was beautiful, was pretty, was elegant, but never ended well, never ended successful after 1990. And now Messi's team, like this time, like eight years ago in Brazil, they were not so artistic, but they were tough. And now when they were tough, they could actually beat opponents I usually didn't think they could beat. So... Have Argentina upgraded or just changed for the better? They, I think they've, they've surprised me every single game here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worst. This time, definitely for the better because you can see this whole team is a case of like they have to fit Messi in somewhere. Mm. Like you say, like you say, he's not doesn't have particularly legs anymore. He's not particularly agile. 
he isn't particularly strong. But when he is given a bit of space, a bit of time, he can produce magic like that. The difference is, how do you get him the space? How do you get him the time? The first game against Saudi Arabia, the big weakness is this wasn't a physical side at all. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have got over that hump. They are very willing now to be physical. I mean, you saw how many yellow cards were on display. Oh, yeah. You know, they were very willing to bully this Netherlands team. But also, throughout the tournament, we've seen Terra Martinez miss shots. We've seen Angel Di Maria miss passes. They are growing on that side of things as well. So I get the feeling that game by game, they are improving on the fronts they need to. It's just a case of, do they maintain this scenario where... Like how or how do they maintain the scenario where Messi is the main man throughout an entire thing when you're seeing these other teams like Croatia where yes Modric is the best player but he's not the main man it's a team performance mm-hmm. so I'm looking at this wondering to myself is Messi doing too much is he too much of a target when he's not there how are the other players performing and to their credit the performance of the other players is what allowed the goals from Messi and Molina to go through. Mm. Uh, after the game, Messi actually, it was pretty rare for him to, you know, use the salty language. He mm. literally said when how disrespected him. I remember his teammate, um, Angel Di Maria, when he was mm. playing under Van Hal in Man United, he said Van Hal was his biggest problem, he's the worst manager has met in his career. Yeah. What do you think is the beef between the two Argentine players with Van Hal? I think Van Hal is just a very serious man. Uh-huh. You, you know, there's a lot of stories of him not really understanding humor, not really understanding, you know, for example, he would just walk up to a player and say, you're not good enough. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. one of... He's one of those. And when you are a player of the Di Maria type who is world-class, been around the world, won things for best teams in the world, played for Madrid, played for PSG, played everywhere, you get the feeling that they expect a little bit more better treatment, I guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas Van Gaal, just a player is a player. And he will just talk to you in very simple terms. Yeah. As far as I can tell, you listen to the stories of him and he is very much the kind of manager where he's the manager, you're the player. If you play to his standards, well, that's that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. You'll get on great. If you don't, that's it. He's not going to, you know, have a personal vindic- vindication against you, whatever it may be. So I think it's just a case of they expect to be treated like celebrities and he mm-hmm. treats them like football players. Yeah, that's true. They definitely come from different worlds. And mm. Yeah, and I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.